John, we have human trafficking survivor and advocate Patina Hauser joining us today. How are you doing today, Patina? I'm doing wonderful. Hi. <laughs> awesome. So Bettina is going to discuss cause and recovery of uh, victims. But first, Bettina, do you mind sharing with us how you went from being a victim to becoming a survivor, then advocate? Yes, of course. So I think that um, the main difference between a victim and a survivor is really about mentality. Um, and mm-hmm. then during my career, the most time, like how I meet people, it, some people don't like to be called victims and some people don't like to be called survivors. It's, I think it's personal preference. But I think um, I think we all can agree on that, that when a person has a victim mentality, then, then they feel like that everything happens to them and against them and that's mostly other people's fault. Now, when it comes to human trafficking, that it's a lot what a person goes through. And, and I think that that's easy to understand for everyone. Um, I think a person is switching to be to being from a victim to survivor when when they start seeing that what were they responsible in the situation or how can they take the whole um, situation or the circumstances and then and then turn it into their advantage. Um, so, in other words, when I just stop blaming every other people that like, oh, wow, but he did this to me and then she did that to me. And then look into myself that like, well, yeah, there were things that I did wrong too along the lines. And how can I change that? Or how did this make mm-hmm. me a stronger person? Um, I think this is the most important step in, in, in a recovery process. Um, and as for advocating, um, I also think that this is just, it's, it's important to talk about um, but important to talk about it in a proactive way. So instead of just drowning in something that like what happened to who, talk about it, that how can we find a solution? Um, and I think that's really where the work is being done. Okay. Well, between I think you have a, a really, really great um, perspective, a really great outlook as far as not wanting to be labeled as a victim. And that you take responsibility for being in whatever situation and saying, what can I do to make my situation better? How can I get out I of think, this instead of saying? Yeah, I think being a victim is easy. And, and you know, that that's really easy because I can just sit in my chair and point fingers that that this did that, that did that, that person sold me. That person took my money, and it's all true. It's it doesn't make it any less worse. But I have to look at mm-hmm. myself, and I have to see how I'm changing my environment. Good. That's an excellent point. Um, what ways have being an advocate played? Like, what what part of that played a part in your healing? Um. I think healing is a journey and I, I don't, um, this is, it's, it's a very good question. And I think it's also very complex in a sense of your, your healing journey is really for the rest of your life. And there are a lot of phases to go through. Um, so, and, and again, every single one of us has some baggages, you know, like some people might Mm -hmm. went through human trafficking and some other people had heavy addictions you know, and none of them are easy. So this is just evolving as a person. Um, 
I'm I'm always all about supporting other people and helping them. And I know that I think I grew through of these experiences pretty well by now. And I would like to see another process or something similar with other victims who I'm working with. Mm-hmm. It gives me a lot of energy to see other people doing better and then and growing out for their environment, what was clearly not very beneficial for them. Right. How long have you been advocating? Um, I founded my company a little bit over a year ago. It's it's still in a startup phase, but it's beautiful and I enjoy it very much. Um, I came to the country in 2012 and was um, um, was trafficked up until 2016. Um, so that's where most of my experiences come from and and. Just like a little background, um, when I got my residency, then I went back to school, and then I started to to rebuild everything else, um, which is by now it's like four or five years. Mm-hmm. You're a really strong woman, and I commend you, Comfort. For Thank you. <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> and and I'm sure that you have so far. Um, encouraged and inspired so many others that have been in your position. And I'm excited for the work that you're going to do with, with, your, with your foundation and your organization. What were you going to say? Yes. I think it's, it's important to be there, you know, and, and show examples to other people that, that who can you become. And just because you were down at one point, then, then you can become better and rebuild the life. Mm-hmm. And even build other people up and bring them along with you. Yeah, so I actually been connected with a lot of people in other states, like from New York, Indiana, down here in Florida. Um, and mm-hmm. and it's it's nice to see how how we can connect with each other and then we can have have each other go through. And I have weak moments too, and they do too. So when we can mm-hmm. just connect and talk about it and then say that hey, you know, I'm not feeling well. Or I'm having anxiety, and then there is a person who who can be there, and they're like, you know what? It happened to me, and it's okay. It's gonna get better. That that's where most of the help really comes from. Good. I'm happy that you all have have uh, each other as a support system because you all you all are the best people to have as a support system because you know what it's like. You know what each other have gone through. Yes, exactly. And then also, um, I had to go through therapy too. It was required for me by the government. Um, and that was also a big, um, a very big, um, help for me, my recovery journey, because, um, there are a lot of techniques and there are a lot of, um, systems in our brain what's, what's acting in a different way. So it's, it's important to understand this process and, and know when we are not feeling well and have other people helping how to get better or just just to tell you that it's okay like there are going to be worse and better days and this is normal right and between i know that there are um illegal immigrants that become human trafficking victims what uh, legal resources are available to people in this situation illegal immigrants as far as yes. trafficking so um, actually, most of the safe houses who I work with, um, um, most human trafficking victims are from the states, but there are some who are illegal immigrants. 
Um, and I was one of them. And in fact, I had absolutely no idea at the time that I would have um, 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 an option to apply for residency. Um, but for all illegal immigrants, I'm very strongly um, advising them to reach out to an attorney because they can apply for asylum and they can get residency in the country, um, which is the biggest part because um, reaching out to law enforcement and any government organization, um, it's it, it's a very different language when someone is, um, like when their immigration status is cleared and that's where really everything begins because a human trafficking victim, the reason why they are there because they can't uh, support themselves financially and they won't be able to find work until, uh, until they can legally work in the country. So this is, okay. this is a very important step um, at the very beginning. Okay. Wow. Well, I'm happy that there are resources out there for elite immigrants as well as for um, American citizens. In the situation, yes. What? Oh, were you were you going to say anything? No, I was just agreeing with you. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> what steps do uh, survivors? Well, first of all, I know you said that some some people don't like to be um, labeled as victims or, or survivors. Is there a term that I should use as opposed to saying victim or survivor? So you know. Um, I call, I just use both of the words for this reason. Um, um, I like to call people, call them more survivors, but I, I know I call them victims and survivors, um, but I do know who you're referring to. Okay. Okay. So what, um, what steps do survivors need to take to get out of their situation, like to get out of their environment? Yeah, so this goes back a little bit to the to the other question. You know that um, first of all, most of most of the human trafficking um, victims they think that the environment what they are living in that that's the normal for them, and because they don't see anything else, um, they see mm -hmm. other victims around them, they see other um, other perpetrators around them, and that's the normal behavior. So they they not necessarily see that like something is wrong. So the only way to get out is really to change the environment completely. I mean, on the day at the on the when I was trafficked at the end, I ran I ran away. I just took my phone and that bag of clothes what I had and I just ran away. And I didn't even know how big step that was in a recovery journey because I had to cut ties literally with everyone who was around me at the time because the girls were just going to pull me back in what I'm trying to get out from. And so are mm -hmm. other people who are supervising. Um, so that, that, that's very important. Good for you. Thank you. <laughs> these are, hard, these are um, very hard decisions to make because... Um, you're scared. Oh, as a human beings, we want to be connected and we want to be surrounded with people. And there are better persons who we start connecting to when when we are there around them. But none of them is good because they are okay with an environment, and we need to change the environment as it is. Right. So, 
how can we, the public, um, possibly identify human trafficking victim? Someone who may not be as brave as you, someone who's who's a human trafficking victim, um, but they're they're afraid of their captors. They're they're afraid to leave. Uh, how can we possibly identify someone like that so that we can help them get out I of the situation? Um, one of the biggest biggest um, um, or easiest way to see that that victims, current victims, they are they are avoiding all kinds of eye contact. They are not being direct. Most of the time, other people is speaking from themselves. So it's like um, like you know when you're asking a question to someone and that it's going to be someone else answering the question all the time and they cannot really say where they are living, what are they doing for work, they're never going to make an appointment, they're not going to confirm anything um, because they're not the one who are handling their own time, it's someone else making the decision for them. Um, so these are like very hurt people and and they won't be ill. The best way to really identify is by asking simple questions like where does someone live, what they do um, for living, but not in like a harmful way or not like in a way where we are right. trying to get into someone's business, you know, just like friendly, right. like, hey, are you doing okay? Is there anything what I can do for you? And most of the time you will see on their reaction that, yes, there's something what should be done. Okay, that makes sense. Because they're very timid and they're probably intimidated by the person that they're with who's running a whole show. Yes, exactly. And also, most of the time, these people are actually being watched. Like, um, I remember that, like, when I had to, for example, open a bank account, right? I walked into the bank mm -hmm. alone, but I knew that the person was watching me from the car, from outside. And I knew that I exactly knew what I had to say. Like, it wasn't true, but they told me in advance that, okay, well, this and this and this and this is what you have to tell to the seller. And then when they ask you this question, then this is the answer. What are you going to say? So I I was being told what to say. Um, and I didn't even, my personality was not in at the bank when I was opening the bank account. I was just reading the script almost. Yeah, like a robot. Yes, exactly, because they will tell yeah. me, like, um, sentences what, what um, traffickers would use is that they are the one who are protecting us, they are the one who are really here for us. It's not true, obviously, but the person who is actively being there in the situation doesn't know. Okay. I, I was so scared to reach out to, um, to law enforcement at the time because I'm from Eastern Europe, and I was so convinced that just cops just don't don't like Eastern Europeans because that's what I've been to I've been told. Mm -hmm. So then the first time when I actually talked to a cop, and then he was a person, right? Like that is no thing. Mm -hmm. Like they don't like this nation or that. Like for them, you are a person, and they want to have. Right. And he was responsive to what what you said to him. Say it again. I'm sorry. It was breaking down. That's okay. And that the police officer who you had that conversation where he was responsive to whatever it was you said to him, he, you know, he believed yeah, you so, and to help you. Correct. And that was also the other thing, you know, that like what I've been told by the traffickers is to not to talk to cops because they're not going to believe me. They will never, they will think, they will think that I'm the part of the, 
um, the organization and then I'm the one they just gonna try to um, put me as I'm being the criminal and all the way down and then I'm gonna get deported like the versions what I got during the years it was just crazy and crazy and then when I actually talked to um, a cop <laughs> and then he was like yeah that that's just not how this looks like like now thinking yeah. back I know that that like it just it just wasn't even realistic what I was thinking um, but I didn't know better at the time. Right, they brainwashed you because they wanted yeah. to, wanted to keep you under their under their control. Exactly, and then there were like very strict um, instructions, even for ways how I should use my phone, things what I can talk about on the phone, how to send messages, and all kinds of stuff. Um, so there is a lot of control on on victims. Wow. So if we see a victim, if we if we um, identify identify a possible human trafficking victim, what can we do? What part can we play to recover that survivor? Um, it's it's so it's obvious. It's gonna depend on how severe the case is. If it's bad, bad, and some it's it's really bad and harmful, then just call nine one one. Don't get involved because. It's it's just not the best way. But if it's someone who you suspect that it's my gonna be a victim, or you're not really sure, you just don't know, but you would like to have and find out, then then the best way I think is just asking friendly questions. Um, and then again, like with victims, the way how I like to think about it is like you know when you have a cute puppy who is being fed normally and slept and cuddled with its owner, and then it's a friendly right. one. And then there are animals mm-hmm. who are who are being tur- tortured, right? You can't go to the right. two animal in the same way. Like with the second one, you have to be a whole lot more careful. So when you take a person from a healthy environment who they've been loved, that's gonna react to questions different way than someone who is being emotionally or physically tortured. And this is something what we have to keep in mind. So we can run to a person and then say, hey, are you a victim of human trafficking? You know, I'm here to help you. It's not going to work. But you can go there mm-hmm. and then just ask that, hey, do you need a point of help? Hey, can I give you my phone number? If you need anything, just call me whenever you're ready or you just want to talk. I'm here for you. And this helps a lot more because even if it's not going to happen on that day, then at least the person will have a point of contact to know who to ask for help when when mm-hmm. she or he is ready. Good. That makes sense. Who um who is most at risk for human trafficking from your point um, of view? So by the stats, um seventy percent of the victims is actually a woman and um and it's like a, I believe it's fifty percent or close to fifty who are actually children. And then here we have to think about obviously the most vulnerable um, gender and age because teenagers are so easily convincible and and usually teenagers or kids they just don't really have um, the common sense or like the level of street smart I'm not even sure how to say it, to 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 see or to sense when something is not right. Like when you are in your thirties, forties, you know, and someone goes goes there to you with the opportunity of your life, then then you can you see the red flag. 
that something it doesn't sound right. Now, teenagers don't have this, so they are very vulnerable. And the same thing applies to women because we are easily, we are more emotional uh, in um, in this way. I think that that male gender, or at least the majority of us, because when someone is trying to play on our emotions, we can get involved so much easier. And what's, what's crazy today, that while traffickers used to be men 10 years ago, today it's like almost 90% of them is women. So if there is a woman, goes to a woman on the street saying something, anything, I'm not going to suspect trouble as much as if it would be a male because we've been taught as kids that, oh, watch out for the guy on the corner, but we never been mm-hmm. taught that watch out for the lady on the corner. Mm-hmm. It's, it, That's a good... Yeah, you know what I'm saying, because when you meet a yeah. lady in a grocery store, you know, it's not going to cross your mind that maybe she has an agenda, but maybe she does. That's a good point you made. Um, and speaking of that, because I was, for, for years, I was one of those ignorant people who not only thought that um, human trafficking was an international thing, was an international situation, um, I always related it to men only up until the story broke with uh, J.C. Dugard, if you remember her. Yeah. So when I uh, heard her story, that's what made me sit up and start paying attention more because a woman played a part in her uh, being, in J.C., being kidnapped and held all these years. The woman was the one who coaxed J.C. to come into the vehicle. Yeah. You know. It wasn't the man, um, even though he was driving the vehicle, it was the woman who made her feel comfortable and, you know, that her yeah. in the vehicle with them. And, you know, most most of the time, the thing what I see with with these organizations, it's that, that um, the, the main person who operates the organization, it's usually a guy, but the ladies are the ones who are going out and getting the new... Um, new people, new recruits in the system because we just don't even think about that, that, wow, this woman wants something and this is not right. If she says so, you know, she's a mom. And again, just like, as I'm, I'm telling this to you, right? Like both of uh-huh. us is a woman, you know, in, in between us, you know, that there is a connection in between that if she says something, you know, I'm going to take it better. Like she's a mom, she's a sister, she's right. a wife, she, you know? Why would I do this to another woman? Right. Or or even a child. A helpless child. Someone who's innocent and and don't know any better. A child on her way to school. That's the most mind-blowing thing ever. Like, as a woman, if you have kids, like, how can you do this to someone else's child? Right. It, it um at, at that point, that's when I started paying more attention because I didn't realize that this was happening right in our back door. And she was held captive for, I think, uh, 18 years. Oh, wow. Right in, yeah, right in the state of California, right, right there in uh, California. 
And so when I saw her story, um, like I said, a couple of a couple of things happened. I, I at that point I realized that not only is this not what I thought it was, not only is it not something something that's happening internationally only or mostly internationally, um, it's happening right here and right here on U.S. soil. But also, it's not only men who's snatching women off the streets, snatching them into a van. They have women helping them. And and they have women playing nice to other women and playing nice to little girls to uh, gain access to to these women and girls. So, um, yeah. I just I just think it's sad, and uh, I started trying to educate myself uh, more on it because it was just heartbreaking that this child lost her childhood, and um, she could have been saved so many times yes. over those 18 years. So many times, you know, like these things are happening really in the next door, and, and we fail to realize that. And and signs like when we see a lot of people in and out, or like that, there are signs who who this is like the organizations who I was with. There were like probably ten girls in an apartment, and I think that the neighbors should have seen that it's no way in a million years that ten girls should be living in a two bedroom apartment. And then they are like always in and out, you know. Like something should should be suspicious that that. Uh-huh. This this many this amount of people doesn't fit in that size of apartment, and not even only right. that. Like when you see them living like this, dressed up like that, like that's that's a reflex. We should see that. And and, and a, a red light should go off. Right, right. It should make us notice something and feel like what is what is going on, what is happening. Um, I know a lot of people are afraid of getting um, getting involved in certain situations, but to know that there are women and girls who who's being held captive and who has been brainwashed into thinking one thing, so they're, they're afraid to leave, but they want to leave. They want to be rescued. They want to be free. Um, Everyone wants just to be knowing, free. This is your basic right. 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 And and knowing that. Know as a, as a community, as the public, knowing this and knowing your story and, and knowing Jason Duga's story, even if we are afraid to get involved, that should that should pump us in and make us want to help. Exactly, and in exact these situations, you know, if we just give a phone number or just ask a question, if there is any way how I can help, those people has the opportunity to talk to us when they want to. So instead of us just like interrupting something and then just going in with another force, that is mm-hmm. a point how we can have to to victims. There is. And um again Patina, I think you are so brave and I think you're very inspirational. And um I see in the future, in the near future, uh you're doing really great things. Um, with your Thank foundation you so and helping so many other women and children. Um, and I want to thank you so much for taking time out to talk to me today. I really enjoyed our conversation and just you educating us on recovery and causes. Thank and, you, you know, so much for that. Help. 
Yes, thank you You're so welcome. much for the invitation, and it was so nice talking to you. You're welcome. And how can we um, all follow you and support you? Yes, so on Instagram, it's just Bettina, and the website is also www.justbettinawith2t's.com. Okay. Thanks again, Bettina, and good luck on oh, everything. Cool. Thank you so much. You're welcome.